Today's episode of the Hot Four Podcast is brought to you by Big. Taking place from Friday the 20th to Sunday the 22nd of September, some of the newest breweries who we feel are destined for big things will be pouring their beers in the recently opened Ice House Brewery Tap Room based in the heart of Bradford. There are some amazing beers being produced in the UK at the moment. However, not everyone gets the praise they deserve for one reason or another, and Big is our opportunity to put that right. Big is a beer festival celebrating the new wave of UK craft breweries destined to grow large, and you might not have heard of them, well, because they're not big yet. Breweries include Host Eyes Brewing, Sheffield's Lost Industry and Guest Appearance from Emmanuel's, Ride Bruco from Glasgow, Chapter Brewing, Heist Craft, Fell Brewing from Cumbria, Meanwood Brewery, Erin and Mothership, an award-winning all-female brewery that champion women in craft beer. And there's also going to be some amazing food supplied by Bears Den, amongst others, and classic arcade games. Come and beat Dan Logan's high score on Street Fighter 2. Come down and discover all your favourite beers from breweries where you can truly say, I knew them before they were big. To book tickets, visit eyesbigfest.eventbrite.co.uk. That's E-Y-E-S-B-I-G-F-E-S-T dot eventbrite.co.uk. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, brewers, bar owners, and beer heads, and welcome to another Hotboard podcast. How's your week going so far? I hope you're enjoying the summer. I had a week away in Northumberland the week before last, but you wouldn't know it with the pace that these last two weeks have been going at. It seems quite often that if you allow yourself to have a holiday and some downtime, which by the way is totally needed, but as a professional, you have to make up for that time and work elsewhere. I remember when I, I used to work in a clothes shop, like when I was like 20. And, you know, if you go on a holiday, you just, you know, you're on holiday, you swing around and you come back and it's kind of like, eh, what did I miss? But the older you get and the more responsibility you have, it's kind of like, and particularly if you're relying on that income through your own business, like if you don't do the work, you don't get paid. You know, if you don't do the work, it doesn't get done and heads are going to roll. And so... It can feel like, ah, oh, shit, I've, I've got to do, I've got to do, ah, I can't take holiday. And I, I know brewers out there that haven't had a holiday for years. And and it makes my heart sink because actually I learned a really valuable lesson while being away and allowing myself that headspace and that time to just think. Because the thing I learned was... Oh, you know, it's easy to feel like, oh, if only the circumstances were better or, oh, if only I was doing that rather than this or, oh, if only I had this bit of kit, then, then my life would be easier. And to some extent, that's true. Certain bits of kit can make your life easier. Sometimes the circumstances you're in are toxic and you need to get out of that environment. Sometimes you do feel more at peace when you're doing the thing you absolutely love doing. And this is what I learned. I definitely think you need to learn to be okay 
in the eye of the storm and learn to find peace when you don't have enough time to brew or deliver or place orders or make sales or network or the umpteen things you're supposed to be doing when running a beer related business. And that's why I think it's really important to carve out space rather than doing it, doing it, doing it, but never getting it done. Because if you don't take care of the golden goose, it's going to stop laying golden eggs. There you go. A bit of wisdom on the Hot 4 podcast for you. Look at that. I'm like a motivational speaker. Um, if you want to hire me to be a motivational speaker, I, it's a thousand pounds an hour. Anyway, um, so yeah, part of the reason I'm saying this is because when I came back from my holiday in Northumberland, uh, I went to London um, for a day to do some podcasting and interviews. We've got some great interviews coming up including uh, one with Real Ale Limited, which did in Notting Hill, and a new brewery based in Hackney called Hackney Church Brew Co. And today's interview with Claudia from Five Points Brewing Company. I love Five Points for two reasons. Firstly, I think their beer is great. Uh, Jupo is one of my favourite beers. I know they stock it in a large national supermarket, but... I can't find it around where I live and it grieves me because I love that beer so much. It's such a great beer. But the, the, the main reason, and you can tell I do graphic design and branding and, and all that kind of stuff and love beer branding is because I look at their brand and the typography and it just makes me melt inside. I'm just like, oh, the fonts, the colours, you know, it's, I'm a total nerd when it comes like that. I was explaining um, to a few people when I went to London when they asked what Hot Forward was and what I do and why I do it, this this is the best answer I can come up with. Inside, I'm a conflicted brand builder and brewer. And it's like these two forces are pulling in different directions and are vying for my affection. And I love both of those things equally. I love brewing beer. I love the science behind it. I miss mashing in and all that stuff, but I love branding, I love design, I love um, working with businesses to promote them, to uh, market their wares and products, to help them think through uh, their narrative and their story. And so I was like, well, how, how can I bring those two things together under one roof? Hence, that's how Hot Ford came about, bringing those two loves and passions together. And I want to help other beer businesses and suppliers and brewers and bars to to do that and to brand their companies and and to to help them grow um so five points for me just with the way it looks and it feels it it sort of brings those two things together so it was great to meet claudia in the pembury tavern and then uh, hang out with matthew kurtz who's a beer writer afterwards but what a great pub if you've not been to the pembury tavern and you frequent london um, who says frequent these days? Evidently, I do. <laughs> Nob. Um, yeah, if you go to London uh, and go to Hackney, make sure you visit the Pembury Tavern. Um, so just a great interview with Claudia, um, all about the, the growth of their brewery and their branding and about core range beers and why it's really important for a brewery to have a core range. Um, so there you go. If you like the Hot 4 podcast, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and wherever else you can do subscribing to podcasts so you get it straight to your device. Leave a nice review on iTunes in particular because the more reviews we get, the higher up ratings we go. Make sure you follow us on social media at Hot 4 Beers 
and check out the website hotforward.beer and maybe there's a way we can help you grow with your beers and your brand and your products and services to see the independent beer industry grow and flourish. Uh, so that's hotforward.beer. So into today's episode with Claudia Main of Five Points Brewing Company. I'm here in the Pembury Tavern with Claudia, who's the marketing manager for Five Points Brewing Company. Hello. Hi, hi. Che- cheers. Cheers, yeah. So, Thanks for coming. Why don't you tell the listeners what we're drinking? I'll have a sip first. Okay. That's, that's podcasting right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are drinking Five Points Best today. Um, you know, I love how Best Bitters have made a comeback. I do too. And right. I never thought I'd say that. I will hold my hands up, but... I'm, I love them. I, I really think we'd do. all agree. It's, it's coming on full circle, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. like people are just like, I don't want, I don't want brown beer. And then it's like, just give me yeah. the hops and give me the pastry. And now sure. it's just like, give me the brown beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess kind of, this is like our latest core beer. Mm. And, um, and at first I wasn't entirely convinced, you know. Oh, you know, best bit of the our sort of, our newest beer that we sort of really, um, really you know, go for this year. But yeah, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive mm. and we're so surprised at how well it's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, people can't get enough of the best. Is that served with a sparkler? Served with a sparkler. It just, it looks amazing. Doesn't need it because obviously, you know, a good, a good beer shouldn't need one. Yeah, yeah. But we think it tastes better and it just makes for a smoother, more tasty pint. Amazing. <laughs> so um, now I, I remember going into my local bottle shop. I think it was around 2014 and picking up a bottle of Real Way Porter Great, from nice. the shelf, and I was attracted to it because of the typography, because I'm a, I'm, real, I'm a real font nerd. Yeah. And I remember pouring this beer, and it was black, and it was like pure yeah. steam engine oil. It was so thick, but it was, it just, <laughs> I remember just the taste of it was like, wow, who yeah. are these guys? This is just amazing beer. Yeah. Um, and like, what, what was the first Five Points beer you ever had? And how, how did you end up in the company? Yeah, it was definitely a pint of five points pale. Oh, I'd high say. five. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and I think that must, I, mean, I cannot remember where or when, but it must have been at some point in East London, drinking at, at you know, at one of, one of the local pubs around here. Mm. Um, and I was always drawn to five points because of the branding, because it was so clean, so memorable. Um, and just through meeting all of the team, actually, at various events, I think five points has always done... Um, done so many events as a company, uh, yeah. whether that's through the London Brewers Market or tap takeovers or, or sort of um, involvement in, in, in festivals. And um, they're a really good bunch. I think I've got, got to know them, got to know their faces. And then, yeah, um, yeah so I've been with the company two years now. Great. So where did you work before? Uh, so I was working at um, Orbit Beers, so right. a brewery oh, down yeah, in okay, South East yeah, London. Yeah. Um, I kind of made my, my, my start in beer in, in Brewdog, okay. um, working in the bars there. And um, yeah. No, Slowly working your way up. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and now, now I've found myself in marketing, which is great. Amazing. Before we talk about the brew itself, was tell us a bit about the Pembury that we're sat in and its sure. history. And yeah, um, yeah I'm, and also I didn't know this, but you guys own White Locks and the Turks Head in Leeds. Well, yeah. So I guess we don't own them as Five Points, but Ed Mason, right, who's okay, our yeah, um, yeah. sort of co-founder, um, he uh, he owns um, he owns them. And so mm. there are sister pubs, um, yeah. both absolutely beautiful place in Leeds. Great pubs. Yeah, I mean, White Locks is just, and sort of step in time, like it's incredible. Yeah. It's, you know, it's beautiful. It's even down to sort of the, the sort of cigarette stains on the ceiling. It's, it's always beautiful, heaving, you know? isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, and the yeah. food is incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Pembury Tavern. Um, I mean, there's been a pub on this site since I think the late 1800s. Um, 
it's had like various different kind of life cycles. It burned down at one point. Um, oh wow! It had a little sort of um, had a bit wild. I think the wild eighties. I think some some parties were held here, that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and then a, a sort of brewery before us called Milton Brewery owned owned the pub for for a good a good maybe maybe fifteen years or so. I, mm. I can't quite remember. Um, and we. Um, We've always known this pub. We've always supplied them. The breweries across the road. We've always drunk here. It's been a sort of you know staple of the good beer guide for um for years, um and we were kind of basically chatting with Milton Brewery one day and and we sort of said if ever you you know want to want to sell the pub we'll be up for it, and then yeah May last year we we got the keys officially. Amazing. Um we kept it going for a bit. Kind of got a feel for the pub and the locals and how the place was run. Um, closed it, refurbished, re, sort of relaunched it back in September last year. And yeah, it's fantastic to have a pub, you know, so close to to the brewery. It's just off, you know, down the road. Um, but we've kind of tried to keep it, you know, the Pembury Tavern as opposed to the Five Points as Pembury yeah. Tavern. I mean, it feels very pubish. I was saying to you earlier, wasn't I, about um, it's really not dissimilar to my local called the Blake in Sheffield right it's, yeah I mean sure. even, even the green on the wall yeah. is the same kind of Very green, green and it's, and it's um, <laughs> you blend in really nicely yeah, that, is a, well, I, oh, I, that is a Pembury Tavern <laughs> green shirt you're wearing right well, now well there you go <laughs> and um, only only it's bigger and it, it feels very much like a pub you yeah. know which is um, which I, I think we need to keep hold of that tradition yeah. you know it's what makes it's one of the things of Britain, isn't it, and the heritage yeah. of Britain? So definitely, I think um, you know losing pubs is a is you know is a sad fact of, of life. I think you know in this area alone, there's been so many beautiful pubs you walk past that are now sort of living new leases of life. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that Pembury Tavern audience really likes is to um, they re- sort of on our Instagram post, people love seeing old pubs and history of Hackney, mm. and I think that's because this building is so old and people feel like a real nice connection to perhaps the pub having been saved and yeah. not not becoming a block of flats or you yeah, know totally one of, one of them so for our listeners who who may be familiar with the beers or not so much with the brewery um tell us a bit about five points way base sure. the, the brew house size yeah. way sell to how big the team is and so on of course yeah so we were founded in um september 2012 by um ed mason and greg hobbs that's about 100 years in modern brewery time <laughs> yeah. it, like cat years <laughs> yeah so we're, we're sort of one of the older older london breweries but obviously you know not not sort of not the oldest by far um and um, yes, yeah, so we founded um, 2012 um, in a railway arch just over the road, um, as as many breweries in London are. Um, and um, our first brew house was 16 hectolitres. And I guess for comparison's sake, we are now at 20,000 hectolitres. Right. Um, so so 16 hectolitres, and now we're 20,000. So that's quite a quite a quite a jump. Um, and our first beer that we brewed was Five Points Pale, which is our flagship pale ale. Um, and yeah, I guess um, East London based, based in Hackney. Um, our roots are really important to us. Um, sort of the drinking scene, the pub scene in Hackney, East London has, has been really important to our identity. And um, I think early on we sort of um, managed to yeah, get some great customers who have really stuck with us this whole time and got a really good amount of you know really loyal mm-hmm. um, bases around around East London and London across across which is really cool yeah so I mean how, how have you found being constricted in a in a railway arch yeah it doesn't come with its pro- without its problems yeah I can imagine <laughs> um, space is really tight um, in I think it was 2000 and 
16, perhaps. I can't remember the date, but we acquired uh, the arch next door to us. Right. So that's that we sort of use as our um, as our sort of dry store area, um, all of our packaging materials, our barrel aging project. But sort of um, the arch adjacent is very much our brew house still. And um, it's, you know, it, it's difficult to, to, to want to brew more beer, but not having quite enough space yeah. to brew it. Our interest, now Network Rail have sold off their portfolio of properties, is that affecting the business at all, or you kind of have yeah. a new arrangement with the current new landlords, or how's yeah, that working? I mean, obviously, um, you know, we we want to stay where we are, um, and you know, we we don't see, yeah, we we hope to stay there. Um, you know, it does become tricky when obviously you know the arches have been been sold off. Um, you know, rent prices are going up all the time. Yeah. Inevitably, in London. Um, you know the arches are one part of that but it's not a problem you know rising rents are unfortunately not a problem immune like just for us um but yeah no we, we're there for a, for a little while it's just getting a getting a lease that's long enough you know you mm. want to that, that's the trick that's hard anywhere in london you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah so uh, uh, one of the reasons i want to talk to five points um is that you guys have got a real established core range. Sure, yeah. And I think for, for, I don't want to say the traditional beers, obviously we're drinking the best bitter, which is a traditional style. Indeed. But, you know, you do a porter, pale ale, best. Yeah. Um, you know, they're a little bit more straight down the line than an imperial stout infused with hazelnuts and coffee beans fermented in squirrels. Yeah. Like, um, like, how important do you think it is for a brewery to have a core range? Yeah. I mean, for five points, it's been, you know, it's been our identity in, in many ways. Um, I think our sort of mission statement, you know, we were founded on um, flavour, quality and consistency mm. and finding beers that we wanted to drink over and over again, that our customers wanted to drink over and over again. I think that was very key to our, our, our plan and our, yeah. and our, and our aims for a, for a business because you know, we've always wanted to grow and, you know, we would love to be stocked, not just all across London, but, you know, across, across the country. And I think... Um, customers knowing your beers and, and knowing what to expect and knowing that they you know when they reach for five points pale what it's going to taste like how it's going to look i think that's so important um mm. and yeah we've i mean we're probably one of the most i guess cool range you know strong breweries in, mm. in a way um but we do do you know we do do other things more increasingly more it's just a case of capacity sadly often you yeah. know yeah but five points pale and um, that's the flagship um, Railway Porter, um, Hook Island Red, yeah. um, which we don't make so much anymore, even though we love it as a beer. And I love you know, I know it's so sad. It makes me so sad. Yeah, I know, but they're just unfortunately they're just you know they're not they really have gone out of fashion. But as we are drinking a best right now, that is not to say Hook Island Red is gone forever. We brew it seasonally now, so it comes back yeah. in autumn winter time, um, which is always nice. It's always nice to see it back. And then we added to our sort of our core range. Um, we brewed um, XPA, which is our extra pale ale for a for field day festival. And it was essentially just such a great summer beer we, we designed that we thought, hey, we'll just have this all year round. So that's, that's a good beer. Yeah, it's great. And so that's probably our second our second highest beer. And um, and then we've added, um, most sort of previously to best, the, the next core range beer we added was Jupa, which is our juicy pale ale. That um, is one of my favorite. I'm not just saying this because I'm sat here, yeah, but that you. is like one of my favorite beers. It's lush. It's so it's so tasty. Um, I think that's interesting because you know we thought of, we thought you know we responded to 
I guess the trend in craft beer at that time, you know, it was last year, that was really kind of, people really wanted this juicy, tropical, yep. slightly softer, not so, you know, not so West Coast kind of beer style. Um, and we wanted to drink it too, and we sort of brought it as a seasonal, and we sort of, we sort of thought, how does this go? And it, you know, the reaction was great, and people loved it, so we thought, well, we'll bring it back, and, and, and yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. It's been such a good summer beer. Yeah. Yeah, I've drank quite a few. Amazing. <laughs> Um, I mean, seemingly some breweries at the forefront of the modern beer movement decided against producing a core range. Um, sure. I mean, so, and I think the result of that is a lot of smaller breweries, when they see the success of these bigger brewers, um, abandon producing a core range. I mean, what do you think some of the challenges are in, you find in producing a core range? Yeah. And on the flip side, what are some of the challenges about producing yeah. seasonal beers and one-offs? Yeah. I mean, I think that... Um Having a core range allows you to express your personality and identity as yeah. a brewery. Um, you know, as kind of um, vague as that sounds, but I think you can establish, you know, who you are and what, what you brew. And not only does that just mean the beer styles, but I think that also translates to branding and, mm. you know, and just all, all those kind of little touch points that you have from a customer's point of view, you know, from the journey that they will take from selecting your beer on the bar to then drinking it and, and hopefully enjoying it. Um, and I think that perhaps it might be hard for some breweries who are maybe just starting off finding it quite hard to find them you know find their identity and find what makes them unique if they're not using a core range to sort of really really kind of showcase themselves um only on the flip side um you know customers love something new um it's exciting and you know they want to try new things so i guess you, you maybe you need a balance um maybe you just need to know like who you are and do it well um, I think there's a lot of breweries and I think that there's room for a lot of breweries as long as everyone knows what they're doing and, and sort of doing something slightly unique or different to, mm. to someone else, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's a saying that anyone can make beer, but a good brewer can replicate the same beer again and again and again. Right. Which is one of the things I really like about Five Points is that you've got this core range that they're all, from the ones I've tasted, they're all really good. They're okay, all really spot you. on and uh, in a way that like with Thornbridge you know like sure. you, every time you have a pint of Jaipur you know what you're getting yeah or, or um, Sequoia like you know it's going to be spot on yeah and and drinkable well I say with Jaipur it's drinkable <laughs> well yeah <laughs> <laughs> relatively speaking um, you know and, and they, they've honed that craft they've refined that beer again and again and again whereas if you're brewing different styles all the time I yeah. don't think you can get that. Um, I don't think you can quite nail it in the same way, un- unless you're like like Cloudwater, for example. Yeah. Although, and this this is the I think the cunning thing about Cloudwater. Seemingly, they're doing different double IPAs and this, that, and the other. But effectively, in some ways, the double IPA is their one of their core beers because it's kind of like, well, we know how this style works, yeah. and therefore we'll just kind of translate it with these hops or this, yeah, yeah. this, and this. Whereas I think a lot of smaller brewers are, are chasing these trends and seeing your cloud waters and your whoever, and um, trying to replicate that because it's yeah. like that's successful and that's successful and that's successful. Yeah. I think yeah, we, I think we've tried to be. Um add to our core range organically and naturally mm. and sort of you know starting off with one and then two and then three um and not trying to rush ahead or or sort of chase as you said to chase trends that might not necessarily be around you know yeah. in six months or a year's time mm. 
So I think five points, I mean, the, the best bit of is, is a good example. Yeah. Um, you, you produce a good range of heritage styles, like there's that and, and a brown ale even. Like, yeah. Like my my wife's favourite two beers, she likes beer, but yeah. her favourite two beers are Newcastle brown ale and Doompa. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Bless her. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think these are beers that many beer heads may disregard as being twiggy or tasting like moss and grass. Like how 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 do you stick to your guns as a brewery yeah. on such beers when, in particular, with your, your vocal social media types, they're quick to slam breweries for, for producing a best bitter yeah. because it's not cool. It you know it tastes like wood. Yeah, um, I think that there is you know I think accessibility is is undervalued, and I think that maybe what people like to forget about these boring beer styles is the reason why they're boring is because they're really drinkable and yeah. they're really appealing to a lot of people and even though maybe to a smaller part of you know smaller you know some really crafty craft beer people wouldn't choose them actually a lot of people would choose them and i think that it's not always about being the most different perhaps it's you know sometimes it's about being you know the most enjoyable mm. and if it is just a really straightforward best bitter that is you know full of flavor and so thirst quenching and just really nice to drink then yeah I think it might be one of the best beers like to, to drink yeah you know? absolutely <laughs> I am um, I, I remember hearing John Keeling from who was at Fuller sure. say about um, London Pride you don't appreciate a pint of London Pride until you've downed your third and you say to yourself I want to go get another one of those yes, yes. and um, I, it was a couple of years ago I came to London, it was to an entrepreneurial conference with the um, director of Shepherd Brewery Company where I used to work and um, we went into a pub and they had a, a London Pride on cask and they've yeah. had it on cask before and drinking that, it, it wasn't too dim dissimilar experience to drinking this, it's just like I could drink that all night. Yeah. And yeah. um, I, I think those kind of beers are really underappreciated and effectively that, they're, they're the cash cows for a lot of breweries really. Sure. You know, Five Points Pale is our, is our bread and butter. Yeah. You know, we've added to our core range, so it's a total of seven beers now, um, but it still accounts, Five Points Pale accounts for about 50% of our total right. sales. Um, you know, and it's, it's, our, it's our flagship and we're really proud of it. And it allows us to then also create these more niche styles, these seasonals, these barrel aging beers by having a really strong, well-performing um, yeah, core range beer. Yeah. So it kind of allows us to be more inventive sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so how do, how do you allow yourself not to be swayed? Because I, I would imagine as marketing manager, you're the one dealing with social media and stuff. Sure, yeah. Like, and, and feeding back to the team what's being said and, yeah. and, and you know, the ears to the ground. Like, how, how do you stop yourself from being swayed by opinion? Because it isn't yeah. just a vocal minority, but they're very loud. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think just being, you know, it sounds really corny, but just being sure of what you are doing and understanding mm. why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, you know, to be honest, the especially on social media and online, it's been so interesting to me to see how engaged people have been about Best and Cask yeah. Ale. And I think especially around the time that we were um, kind of celebrating having launched it, we sort of did some cast-specific things on social media, and there was people loved it, you know, and us sort of saying, you know, we're really proud of our cast beer and we're not going to drop it. And that's not our plan and we're very much committed mm. to it and people loved hearing that and it was really um i thought it was really inspiring that you know cast beer is a category in crisis but our cast beer sales are doing incredibly well yeah but more so people really cared to know that i thought that was really cool although um don't talk about sparklers on twitter as i've learned 
<laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, I was in um, Real Ale um, in Notting Hill earlier. Um, so they, they own several bottle shops across London yeah. and, and supply M&S with all their beers. And we were talking about cask beer because I'm I'm from Sheffield, where cask it's the cask beer capital of the UK, apparently, mm-hmm. um, according according to Pete Brown and a. Well in, then, in, I, won't, in, I will not disagree. Look, with there you me. go, an independent <laughs> quote unquote report from Sheffield University. Uh, no bias in there whatsoever. Um, but so, so for me, I've grown up drinking all these great cask beers. Yeah. You know, Deception and, and Moonshine from Abbeydale, uh, Barnsley Bitter, that kind of thing. Um, and they were saying like about cask beer making this resurgence. And I'm like, what resurgence? Like cask beer's always been there, you know. Okay, but yeah. when you come to a place like this, it's you know, it's, it hasn't, you know. And, and they were saying how in in London and other places, it's just like it's so unbelievably hit and miss, more miss than hit. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. What are some of the challenges um, a company like Five Points, which produces great, consistent beers, and, and you know the condition of that's just A1. Like I'm not just saying this, but the lacing on that is just fantastic, oh, okay. and the condition. Um, what are some of the challenges you find when you're trying to sell beers into trade, and particularly when you're trying to get permanent lines and you've got a core range, yeah. when in, in a market that's always looking for something new? Yeah. Um... As exciting as new beers are to the customer, I do think also that to the bar manager, having a beer that they can rely on in terms of being readily available, they can get a good price for it, they can count on the you know the, the sales managers to pop in and chat to them and also to sort out any problems they might have in terms of dispense. Even though the customer might come in and, and sort of ask for what's new, I think actually realistically for bar managers it's it's that dependability yeah. that is really really valuable to their business and will make sure that they are you know profitable and and you know they're they're doing the best they can on their bar but, so yeah i mean if they're looking for something new and exciting that's one thing but i think also a lot of a lot of bartenders are looking well but you know bar managers are looking for like a product they can people will come back for because you might try one beer once but you'll probably try another beer that you know yep. countless times you yep. know I'm talking to a lot of people at the moment that are all saying they've got beer fatigue right with you know your double IPAs and your imperial stouts and your sours and, and, and the trendy beers yep. and, I, and I found this like you know <laughs> if I go into a supermarket for example I know the beers I want to drink because yep. I know with the Jaipur for example or a um, love and hate vocation I know what I'm going to get, yeah. and I know it's going to be a satisfying experience. Um, sure. And I think when I, I love, I love those beers you experience, mm. and like I've got a bag full of beers that I've collected today that I'm going to experience, but I don't know what they're going to be like. Some might be crap, some yeah, might be great. Yeah. Whereas I know with those beers, like I can depend on them, and I, I definitely think that's you're right in that. Um, from another angle, how have you found your branding, which yeah. I love? By Thank the way, you. like it's so like as I said earlier, font nerd. It for me, I'm just like it's so simple, but it's so brilliant. Yeah. Um, you. How have you found your branding has helped Five Points sell your core range beers? And if there's a brewery out there listening to this who may still have quite old fashioned branding on their pump clips, do you think yeah. freshening them up alone would help boost sales, or do you think it's a bit more complex than that? I think it is more complex than that. Although, you know, a rebrand or freshen up might have amazing like consequences for your brand. I think 
I guess Five Points brand. So um, our, our designer from the very beginning has been um, a really talented designer called Kate Lyons. Um, and she, um, I guess, kind of had this idea for the brand that was, which was inspired by um, old railway tickets of like yeah. the 19th and 20th century. Oh, okay. Obviously, we were based in a railway arch, and um, and they were they were all sort of this lovely pastel kind of palette, um, very much led by the colours. So each beer has a colour. So railway port is green, and five points pale is blue, and yeah. and, um, and they're all very sort of um, very sort of beautifully placed in terms of like uh, typography and yeah. really clear and they show what you are and so it's really interesting to me because I didn't actually realise this when I first started with Five Points but if you look at railway tickets and this kind of lovely kind of Victorian um, like you know sort of branding style you really can see where it came from do you know now you say that yeah right that makes total sense <laughs> I know. like the kerning on the fonts and the space between them yeah. I'm just like of course it is and when I was at Sheffield Brewery, one of the so I rebranded Sheffield Brewery Company. Oh, nice, um, cool. And one of the things they had on their wall was all this old school memorabilia. Now they're in an old Polish works, um, and they had all this stuff from like the Whitbread family tree yeah. and, and so on. And um, and I remember looking at it, thinking it needs to look really classic and Victorian. So yeah. I, I, I looked at like all that kind of typography and all that kind of stuff. And, and yes, yeah, so and now, now you mention it with, yeah. with it, I'm just like, of, co- of course. But I think, like, um, you know, making branding that's influenced by the railway arch that you're in, okay, you do not want to put a train on it. Yeah, totally. You know, but I think finding, <laughs> you know, but finding a sort of subtle reference that means something and that you can translate through all of your branding and that is a really important touchstone to your identity, I think that's, that's, that's really the kind of um, what you should found a rebrand on. Yeah, totally. As opposed to redoing it for redoing its sake or just sort of making it look more modern yeah you know? it's i i always say with branding because that's as that's my main area of expertise yeah. it's always particularly with stuff like a railway archer a theme it's about giving a subtle nod to it Completely rather than agree. coming out and just saying it yeah like just just hint at it because because a lot of people are perceptive yeah and it's a left brain right brain thing like your creative side which i think is your left side yeah. will pick up on all these nuances and the yeah. colours and the, the flavour of it. But your right side won't really necessarily think about it. They, okay, they'll sure. not be thinking, ooh, that's a Victorian-looking no. font. And I remember that from, you no, know, no. the 19th century and all the rest of it. It's just like, you know, you, you'll just be thinking, I want a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, you, you, your creative side will, will be sucking all that in. Yeah. And, that, again, that's, that's why I love your branding. It's just so... Mm. Long, <laughs> no pun intended it's so on point yeah um i think it's in um, that way it's yeah it's 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 clear and um i think you know we kind of um you know our, our beers their names are very straightforward you know our branding's very straightforward you know it's five points pale five points best and um you know lots of breweries that have much more imagination in terms of naming beers but i think that's you know that's just us you know it's straightforward and our our beers I think one of the reasons why I think your earlier question was you know why how has the court the court the branding you know helped them I think being so clear to the consumer in terms of what they are have been like yeah you know it's a pale don't you do you think it's really <laughs> helped you having that really crisp I, clear branding I think so yeah because I think sometimes you're on a sea of shelves that has it's full of you know beautiful illustration and artwork and photography on labels etc which is great I think sometimes things can get quite lost in translation. Yeah. And I struggle sometimes to find out, what is this beer I'm looking at on this shelf? What beer style is it? How strong is it? Mm. I, I kind of struggle sometimes. And I think that can turn a lot of people off, especially if they're not 
necessarily really comfortable with craft beer or they are trying to just get yeah. into it um, not knowing what the beer is in front of you is like a massive yeah it's, it's a mm. problem sometimes you know yeah for, yeah for, 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 yeah so for a brewery like Five Points that I would imagine a lot of smaller brewers in the UK probably look up to, you know, they see it in supermarkets or wherever, have tasted it and they're like, oh, they're, they're a really well-established brand and, and brewery. Um, what are some of the challenges you face on a day-to-day basis as a brewery, apart from the railway arch of the side, <laughs> yeah. trying to cram everything in? Yeah, I mean, um, our biggest... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've said it before, but, you know, working with our, with our means is really difficult and um, it's hard to, you know, the, the brew team and all of the brewers do an amazing job to to brew an incredible amount of beer in, in that space and they work incredibly hard to produce really amazingly well-made beer. Um, yeah, so I guess just working at capacity is, is, is a massive challenge and I think... That, that, yeah, that's a big problem that we are facing. This, you know, this especially at this time of season. You know, everyone wants a beer, and I know it's terrible weather today, but most of the time it's been, you know, it's been a glorious summer. Mm. Beer gardens are full, um, pints are being drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, to keeping up the demand, I guess. Um, I think maybe being confident in your core range as well. That's something, that's something that we um, are proud to be, but it's not necessarily saying that. Sometimes people do criticise for it, for sure. You know, um, you know what, what? Perhaps you know, make more, make more specials or more seasonals or one-off beers, mm. um, which we do do. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's just finding a balance, isn't it? Yeah, totally. So moving the conversation on to pubs, um, there's a lot of talk about pubs in the UK closing every day. Yet places like White Locks or the Pembury Tavern seem to be thriving. Um, wh- why do you think so many pubs are closing? And for all those camera members fighting to save the local boozer, do you think some of them just need to quietly die off? Oh. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Harsh much. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of pubs. There is still a lot of pubs in England, and that's sometimes what we forget. They might be closing at a rate of X week, but we still have quite a lot. And I think that um, if they don't if pubs don't modernise, if they don't respond to a changing market, if they don't make sure that their beer or drinks range is high quality, is is you know, is, is suited to what their customers want, then unfortunately they're probably not going to do very well and they they might close. Um so I think, you know, an awareness on, on pubs parts that, you know, you need to be doing everything that you can be doing in a difficult market to make sure that your business is profitable. You know, spreading th- throughout different, you know, like social media and all that kind of stuff I think that's really important for us to do um, that's not to say that those that close you know deserve it that's not the case at all but there are many ways in which I think you can make sure that your pub has the bestest chance to mm. be like thriving as you said yeah yeah I've been reading um, It's the Beer Talking by Ian Clayton recently oh, cool, yeah. have, you, have you read it? no oh, no it's a fantastic book um, it's not what I expected okay. um, it's just a load of anecdotes about him and his life you know centered around the local pub Um, but it's I think reading it it's evident how much society has changed and pub culture with it Um, where do you think the future of the British pub lies and how do you see pubs and pub culture in 10 15 20 years time 
the thing I love about pubs, though, and I really do love them, is they are still in this age of you know so much technology and you know, and, and phones, etc. They are still a place where people come and they sit and they chat and they sit at the bar on their own. Like in here, you know, we have an amazing group of regulars and people will just come and enjoy a pint on their own just for fun and just to be in the atmosphere and just sort of almost just to hang around with people but not necessarily feel obliged to talk mm. and I don't think pubs have lost that I think and I, I'd love to think that we won't lose that despite how much society you know might change I, I, I'd like to think that the pub will you know remain like a community hub and somewhere that anyone can be drinking alongside anyone else and kind of everyone just has a pint and leaves us sort of alone a little bit mm. um yeah, and maybe that's a bit messed up. Maybe a bit idealistic, but I'd love to hope that was the case. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, and just sort of on the pub, obviously you can only really get cask beer in a pub. What, what do you think makes the perfect cask-conditioned beer? And how do you think yeah. pubs can save this time on a tradition from going extinct? Yeah, sure. Good question. <laughs> Huge question. Well, we did a, I did a blog post about the publicans that sort of serve our beer back at Christmas time um, and went around and interviewed uh, 12 different publicans all across London and spoke to them about what makes their pub pubs, um, why do people come there, just just about kind of people's different experiences and one of the questions I asked, you know, is cask, is cask dead, you know, what do you feel about cask beer? And um, actually my favourite answer was from Pete who um, is general manager of Penry Tavern mm. and he was just like, look, it's not rocket science, just, you know, just keep your cellar cool. Keep your beer lines clean. Um, do it. Do what. Do what you're told. Cellar it well. Treat it. Treat it how it should be treated. And there's no reason why it shouldn't be. You know, it, it shouldn't taste amazing. And you know, saying it's not rocket science. You know, and I, and he does know absolutely how to make amazing tasting cast beer. But I thought that was quite refreshing. That it's not this mythical, difficult sort of to tame beast. You know, mm-hmm. which sometimes it does get a kind of a bit, a bit sort of. You could get the impression like all cask, you know, but you know, hopefully, it it should taste really great. Yeah. And it shouldn't be warm because it's so sad when you have your beer and it's really warm. Oh no. My my dad always says common sense isn't that common, and I um I was saying in the podcast I did earlier, which for the benefit of the tape, um, would have been a couple of weeks ago, about how. I was on holiday in Northumbria last week oh, with my nice. family and uh, we're making the most of our English heritage membership <laughs> and uh, we were in this castle and they had a beer cellar and it was yeah. literally just like this, this room in the castle and I thought to myself, this is much better yeah. <laughs> than a lot of beer cellars I've been in <laughs> when they're in drop, you know, yeah. and it's medieval, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, it isn't rocket science, you know, there, there are certain things you just need to do and take care of, yeah. but it, and it, it makes me really sad um, when when you go into a pub, and, or particularly when I was brewing and going into pubs, yeah. just to see the condition sure. that some of these places are in and the lack of equipment oh, yeah. and that you know people will be dispensing beers that were way past it yeah i guess you said equipment though and i think investment is a massive part of good cask and we had you know we re- relaunched the pub um back in september and we invested massively in 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 the beer and and the cellar and, and all our beer dispense equipment so we have like two cellars so we have a cask cellar and a keg cellar that are kept at different temperatures right. um but obviously, you know, we had the benefit of, you know, relaunch. We had we did an amazing crowdfunding campaign, um, sort of that closed May last year, and and one of the 
one of the reasons why we were doing the crowdfunding campaign, as well as trebling the capacity at the brewery, was to relaunch the Pembury Tavern. Yeah. And so um, we invested massively with the investment that came from the crowdfunding campaign. And so therefore we were able to, you know, redo all the cellars and, and create. Mm. It's, it's amazing like to be able to be in that position that, okay, cool, we want a cellar that's a different temperature to, you know, that. But not everyone is in that position. Yeah. So, you know, we definitely, we definitely, I think you can taste that now when you drink yeah. a pint here if you know what I mean see when you just told me about, about the different cell temperatures I was just thinking I'm impressed right okay cool <laughs> that takes my boxes and I guess it's when you have a brewery you know designing a pub setup I think they think mm. well how is it going to be most beneficial to the beer and, and obviously that's the answer yeah I mean do, do you think more brewers need to get out there um, and go and advise the bar managers and the, maybe, the pubs maybe, and stuff yeah. to you know because I, I know Thornbridge have a team of people that literally will go out to different yeah. pubs and do cellar training and taste the beers and say you yeah. need to do this that and the other I think having a presence to your customers with your customers is so important because otherwise you, you can't really identify you know the troubles they might have or the beers that their customers might like if you've never been to the pub so the sales team do an amazing job about getting all over London spending time with people mm. um yeah, and seeing like and tasting the beers as well because sometimes, you know, if, if they're not tasting great, you need to be there in the pub or, or the bar or the bottle shop tasting it to know that to know that it's not optimum. Yeah. So someone that works in the beer industry in a place like London that's got obviously got um, over a hundred breweries in it, wh- where do you see the beer industry heading in the future? Yeah, I, I do see more consolidation of bigger brewers, or sort of big macro brands taking on smaller breweries that began as the independent challengers and then are now part of you know the, the big you know, the big beer sort of beer, big beer brands that are obviously global um, I mean I would really like to think that there are breweries that you know can remain doing what they're doing and just get stronger and stronger and um, keep on making incredible beer and I hope that Five Points is one of them mm. um, I think that we'll see more translation of craft beer as a norm of beer so as craft beer gains popularity, there'll be more and more restaurants that will understand. You know, we need a we need a craft beer in our range, otherwise our beer range isn't yeah. isn't really up to scratch. Um, which is great for the brewers. So, um, I guess an amazing uh, thing happened last year. We were taking on in every single Nando's store across the UK. So every Nando's has got XPA, hey, which is great. It's amazing. It's, it was it was like it's incredible, and you know, that must feel really good having an established brand and a completely. big brand like that taking on your product. Totally, and and it, and it tastes delicious actually with. You know, I think they paired us with the hot, the hot, the Nando's hot. Yeah. I don't know if you know Nando's very well. I didn't, I didn't I, actually know that well until. I, was, we I know the brand, but I, d- I must confess, I've never really been in. As, as Ed, as Ed Mason always says, it was like anyone that has children will know Nando's very well. See, I'm introducing like, my yes, kids you know? this weekend to Subway. We're going to okay. have Subway Saturday. Maybe we could have Nando's. Cheeky it, Nando's. Whatever, cheeky whatever cheeky you Nando's. Want, there you go. Cheeky, we could have cheeky Nando's. Um, um, but yeah, that was that was really cool. We, love, we loved it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, what lays ahead for Five Points Brewing Company? Like, how how does an independent business like yours keep on growing? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I mean, continue what we're doing to a you know making hopefully great beer to a really high quality standard. Continue investing in our brewery and our equipment. Um, you know, eventually we will need a new site. Um, which is really exciting. Um, it's obviously just it's hard to hard to find and hard to find the right spot, etc. But um, you know that will that will be that will be one day. And yeah, I just um, 
Yeah, who knows, actually? Good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's, yes, it's, you're, you know, you're focusing very much on the, de- on the day-to-day, I think, when you are, when you're busy and et cetera, but it's a really good question, you know, where, where are we going to be in five years' time? I don't know. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thank um, you for having I- me. I- I'm sure many people who like the podcast also enjoy a good pint of XPA or Railway Porter. Um, but awesome. for th- <laughs> but for people who who have been living under a rock and have okay. never tried your beers, like sure. how can they find out more about the brewery and pay the pubs a visit? Yeah. So I guess we have a website. We definitely do. So fivepointsbrewing.co.uk. As a designer, it's a very nice website. Ah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, we have uh, social media. So at Five Points Brew um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, give us a follow, comment, retweet. Don't uh, don't talk about sparklers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Might call that the um, episode. Don't talk about sparklers. And yeah, and, and I guess. Um, you know, if if you do, if you are in an area or whatever, then just tweet us or, or whatever, and we'll let you know where what what, what pubs or bars or bottle shops near you might have us. Mm. Um, and yeah, just hope you enjoy the beers. <laughs> Amazing, bro. Well, thank you, Claudia. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at Hot Forward Beers. Until next time, cheers. Okay, so